Hello. Hello. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Industry Tactics, a podcast interviewing some of Canada's finest outsider and weirdo artists. Today, let's travel into the wormhole, the wonderful world of Bob Wiseman. We talk about how he came up, how he joined Blue Rodeo, Daniel Lanois, Bob Dylan, so many fun stories. So sit back and prepare to be dazzled. Here he comes now, my good friend, and soon to be yours, Bob Wiseman. Oh, so now it's not just a podcast. It's a video. It's the first twenty minutes. The first twenty minutes we're doing is virtual reality. I should have mentioned that up on the on the. uh, Oh, do you mean like with the heads? You can put the headset on. Really? And they're in the room with us. Welcome. Well, but but it's only. This is Bob Weisman. But it's not. But the headset's not really. The camera should be in motion for for that to be. Is it? Does it like? Is it moving in some way, or is it just stationary and that's just it? Just the whole panorama. It's so the viewer, the viewer is on your desk. The viewer is looking down at your one of a kind keyboard as he or she looks down. You mean the perspective is that keys? No, they're on your desk, and now and now they can see that your monitors. They can see the the hallway. They can see Mendelssohn Joe's health. I see what you're saying. So it's a three sixty. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So they're. And they're looking all oh, around. It's not it. too dim. To no, no, no. Welcome, welcome to the How studio. How high do you think their view is? Do you think they see? Oh yeah, stuff up there. Too? Yeah, they can see. Is that a Juno? <laughs> yeah. What is that up there? It's a Juno. Is I, that no like a Juno? I got more or, than one. Oh, Bob Wiseman. I got that one there. Oh yeah. shit. Okay, so let's 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 start <laughs> you it. You know, off. I used to tour with it and use it to prepare the piano oh, and not fuck. tell the audience until until I was in the middle of playing the thing and then I would pull it out. We're gonna and have people a... would start laughing because they would recognize it. You can see that it says Juno Large. So. Do you see anyway. the smile on my face, friends watching in the VR? It's already first first 50 set, one minute in and it's already my favorite podcast. Welcome to Industry Tactics. We're here in the corner. You see the word Hoper. He has peppered the walls with Mendelssohn Joe letters. I think that's what connects us in a way. Uh-huh. In, in one in one way. Yeah, there's one coming down. Bob Wiseman. Bob Wiseman is one's coming down. Thank you the, for the for, for the virtual reality experience. Bob Wiseman just sure. got up, uh, and 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 Jun- and let me prep it. Juno Award winning uh, musician Bob Wiseman. Now, Bob, I haven't prepped you. What's that? What the fuck is this? What is this? Hang on a second. <laughs> Hang on a second. Oh, it's my mom. Mother. Father. I gotta let you go. Bye. I love you. 
Bye. That was my dad. We just made spaghetti sauce on the weekend. But that's another conversation. I was prepping it. Sorry, Bob. Sure. We're, I haven't given you any heads ups, but I, I think people can find it online. We're going to start sure. with, we're, you know, I, we, I have a lot to ask you. You know, you're a really important artist in my life, but also in this country, more importantly. Fuck me. Um, you're, you started your career as a musician yeah. in Winnipeg. Well, no, I mean, I mean, I'm from Winnipeg, but I kind of, I came here, uh, you know, I came here when I was 20, so I didn't have a career in, you know, I hadn't played in a band or anything in Winnipeg, um, but I moved here, I moved here to study piano with Casey Sokol, you know, Casey I, Sokol, York yeah, University. Yeah, he's kind of a, he was a big uh, force for many people and still is, and um, when I was younger, mm -hmm. I started improvising, and that was kind of like a secret other thing that I did on the piano, you know, secret because there wasn't really anyone to share it with. And it was, and I was moving into the kind of wonky zone, not knowing that that was something already kind of uh, mapped by some musicians. I thought I just had this kind of like secret perverse pleasure in playing clusters and things when my, when my mom, when no one was home, because mm -hmm. they would freak out if they heard me do, put things in between the strings and do other wild stuff. Like and, Juno Awards. <laughs> yeah. So... So somebody, uh, one like I have, I'm the youngest of four. So one of my uh, brother's friends that was studying at York came back to Toronto and was at our house at Christmas or something. And he heard me playing, and he was like, "There's the guy, the guy that we work with at York. He he tries to teach that. You know, he would love you." And I I remember that really kind of kind of piqued my like, really, there's someone that's like does that this kind of thing or teaches this kind. Of, that was like a real interesting thing in the back of my head, and. Uh, what, that it was like a legitimized or is, is that what you're getting at or no? That getting somewhere else with this thing was something that somebody somewhere might be teaching. Okay. You know, it's okay. kind of like, okay. a, really? You know, it's kind of like, kind of like hearing that there's a Merlin. You're not alone. Something. You're not alone, right? Yeah. Not only not alone, but somebody else might be able to, you know, <laughs> a Yoda. open other doors yeah, 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 and like, yeah, yeah. know about this thing, you know? So anyways, yeah. to make a long story short, I ended up coming to Toronto to work with him. Did you hit it off? Was it awesome or what? Well, it was intense. It was really intense, and okay. uh, and I okay. did really well in it. He was a bit of a, um, you know, I think about it now. He, mm -hmm. I was like twenty or twenty-one. Mm -hmm. He, I think he was about thirty-five, okay. and uh, and he had his own. He had he just he he has two kids, and one of them was just born, and you know, the first year you're living with an infant, it's not hard to kind of be present too, because you have a lot of sleepless nights, mm -hmm. and uh, um. And uh, anyways, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty intense time in my life. I like slept in piano cubicles. I, yeah. you know, I didn't know Toronto. And I, so I had a place downtown. I didn't realize how far away York University was. And yeah. so it just made more sense to just stay there more often than not. And and I just, right. I was kind of on fire. I didn't, I'm self-taught. I don't know how to read music. Yeah. I, I got in based on uh, sending a, a cassette tape of what I could do that yeah. that made them assume my sight reading was at a certain level. I had to send in a classical piece and a jazz piece. Wow. And so once I got your, there, I realized, oh, I can't do the. It was Blue Rondo a la Turk by Dave Brubeck. And I realized, okay. oh, I can't. I had to drop uh, most of the courses because I couldn't do the work. But I didn't care because I really only came for Casey. And and even when I. And awesome, when I, awesome. And, oh, it gets more awesome or, or weird because. Because when I got there, yeah, 
And here I changed it. I mean, it's a big deal when you're 20 or 19 to do this kind of thing. It's like to change cities and have no money oh and God. get a grant. I mean, the stakes are really high. In your mind, it's, you know, you, you realize being older that it's not such a big deal. But for you at that time and place, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's huge. freaky. And yeah. so yeah. so I did all this stuff to, in order to study with this guy and then found out on the first day that I had to audition to get into the course. And it really... So it was make or break. You could have come all the way from Winnipeg. That's right. That's, I, that's that, fucked. And no one said that to no. me. Like I had no reason to, you know, that, <laughs> I, that might have made me not come, you know, because uh, right. I had a job in Winnipeg. So, and I, so I met Casey and he was kind of like, you know, well, I only take, uh, I forget, you know, I only take 15 people and there's like 40 applicants. I'm like, oh. Okay. So anyways, it got my, you know, whatever came my time to audition and... And I got in, and I and it was it was a it, it's a very distinct memory for me because he was sitting on a couch mm -hmm. and I was playing the piano and he asked me to play, and he got up while I was playing, and went to stand behind me and I just and I just knew in my head that like oh I'm in, because a pianist doesn't stand behind another pianist except oh. to try and oh. see how they did what they're doing you know and it was kind sure. of like even though uh, even though I'm a nobody I realized this this one thing that I'm doing right now, the fact that this guy wants to see how I'm doing it I'm I just kind of thought. That must mean I'm in, and I and, and anyways I was in, and uh, yeah, it was real intense working with him. It was a real beautiful thing because he he dropped a lot of references separate yeah. from the music. Yeah. He dropped a lot of references spiritually about okay. the world, things that I was interested in too, from Sufism to Carlos Castaneda, you know, to like uh, he he to Ram Dass, and and wow, wow. and I got all those references, you know, because I I was interested in a lot of it, and and but it wasn't stuff that people knew about. I didn't think anybody else in the class knew of any of it and I so I was really I loved uh, I loved him I loved being there wow, it was a real wow. big deal to me and people in the class you know I, I did I did really well my friends would say you know he closes his eyes when you play people would tell me other things you know but and I just that I just stays you know, with you that it, stays with it you. did it meant a lot to me and I got a really I got an A plus and people so, told me he doesn't do that you know whether that's true or not but I you know it was a real it was heavy but I also realized by the hmm. You know, I had a couple couple really amazing things happen before it ended. One was, I remember being alone one time in the main room that we worked in. Mm -hmm. Everyone was gone. I was staying there kind of for the night. And it was fun when I would stay there overnight. There would be like two professors who were always, who would be hanging out till late at night. A guy named Steve Bloom mm -hmm. and someone else. Anyways, so the point was, while I was in that room and they had a Petrov piano, um, there were some recordings or whatever. And that's where I first put on Cecil Taylor. And uh, they didn't know who he was. Mm. But I remember putting it on. And realizing that the guy is just playing a series of music that's a lot of it's made up of clusters or whatever. Mm. But the thing that like made me cry mm. was that it was, I didn't realize it was a live recording and whatever the piece ended and an audience started to applaud. Oh, wow. And that just like was life changing to kind of realize, because that thing that he was doing with clusters, that was kind of the zone that I felt I was in as a kid that was like a secret thing that like, uh, I can't like share this with anyone, you know, like it's just so some, cool, some strange little uh, perversion in my life that I get, I'm getting really getting off on trying to m sculpt sound, you know, for its own sake. Uh -huh. It has nothing to do with playing in the key of E flat or G. It's just I'm, I'm, I'm playing I'm playing bunches of notes and I'm shaping the color of them. And it's really it's very exciting to me. And and then when I heard this guy doing that, taking yeah. it to a yeah. more sophisticated level yeah. and an audience clapping after it and clapping for a long time after it. Like, wait a minute. I, I just, I like found my people. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it's like yeah. that moment in the jerk where he can snap his finger to music. <laughs> it, it was like, oh, oh my God. I, this is, this is where I belong. I, I know, I know this language. Isn't that nice? That feeling of this is where I belong. Like, like you aren't alone in, in the, I, I mean, 
when it when it comes to you, it, it's 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 uh it's heartwarming. It's life changing, right? I love that hearing that 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 Casey that you hit it off and that it, what what you took a huge risk then to come. You may not have even known how risky it was to come to study with him to get accepted into into York. Um, how did you? My question is. So he's loving you. And I think a lot about what makes education tick is not the formality of it. Fuck that. It's Casey closing his eyes saying, you know, you know, he closes his eyes when that's the stuff that you, that's the good stuff that you take with you. All the all that he gave is enough. Like that individual, that mentorship is especially with music education. It's not about. So so the other stuff Were you just out of curiosity, they didn't even let you into the party. No, you're not a formal music student. You can't read? Did they make it a fucking thing? Like, a, was it a thing? Like, what, what happened um, there? Like, I just so- realized I couldn't do the homework. They, they started, you know, talking about different things. We had to play different things. And I realized... Holy uh, fuck, I, where I, am I? I can't... I, yeah, I can't... This isn't I, Winnipeg. If, if, I, if I reveal to this woman that I don't actually read music, oh it won't God. make any sense to her. And why should it? Like, <laughs> I realized, if you're, if you're self-taught... Yeah, you yeah. you gauge yourself against the people that are, are readers and the ordinary classical world or whatever, yeah, yeah. and that's fine, that's fair. Like it's, uh, and um, I I mean I also know I could play. It doesn't. My self esteem's not injured. I, I I know. Yeah. In fact, what I did, and it was really the smartest thing I could have done, is I started going to the jam sessions at Grossman's on the weekends, okay, okay. and then I could sit in with other musicians, and they thought I was great. And because I felt really separate from the fact that I was having an intense relationship in Casey's class, I also felt like, I also, once I got to York, <laughs> there were a lot of people that were really brilliant players. And I saw a lot of them. And, mm-hmm. and I realized right away that I'm actually, I'm no big deal. I mean, I, I was a big deal in wow. Winnipeg. Wow. But I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm chopped liver here. Which is a great thing that a person that is should nice. experience. Yeah. But it That's also good. made me feel like, what am I doing here? What's the point? And, and, and when I got to Grossman's and when I started to solo and play those jam sessions and yeah. when those other musicians who were older than me would like turn to me like, wow, yeah, or, or, or then the next week and the next, like ask me to like, hey, come on, you know, get in with me, like that I was like uh, desirable. Uh, that gave me a different kind of confidence too when I would go back to York because I would look at some of the other guys because a lot of the music students then who are also only 20, yeah. a lot of them are really involved in intellectual pursuits. Like they want to talk about a piece of music, whether it's Mixolydian or Lydian. Is yeah. it in 13? Is it in, is it in 17? Can you hear it? And, and it's like, that's fine, but that's all just kind of like testosterone games or something. Yeah. You don't necessarily realize yeah. that when you're in, of that age and in that milieu. So playing in the jam session and, 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 and feeling like I was, uh, you know, uh, uh, a member of that really helped uh, my self-esteem move through being there at York. But I had to, yeah, I had to drop out of the ordinary music study stuff because I, I didn't understand it. But I understood improvising, and I and yeah. like and I and I and I understood Casey's problem of trying to talk about improvising to all these other classical people that were in our class. Right. You know, because right. I already was there. You know, like I just I just was you know ready to to play with it and jam and, and improvise and and try to. Um, work with structures and, uh, and, and, and work at other things conceptually that were uh, stimulating improvisationally, you know, like making my left hand be the soloist, you know, yeah, yeah. like, uh, yeah. like trying to he would put a painting in front of us, play the painting, you know, to just yeah. do all these other things where like, yeah. that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. 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 So, so you're, who are you meeting at Grossman's? Uh, are there musicians there that you still remember? That you still... Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, but I'm not really, that was a like. Were you finding a, that a family really, there, or, or huh? Were you finding a family there in in the musicians, or was it in the more, short term? Okay. You know, the people that stood out to me. Um, 
what stood out to me in a lot of ways was a drummer named Ben Cleveland, uh-huh. uh, who just was a real natural improviser, powerful drummer. You know, you know, it's hard to just talk about one kind of instrument, but mm. but let's do it for a moment. And and drummers really can like destroy me, you know, like no one else. You know, like watching great drummers are it's just it's so much like making a pilgrimage you know to some kind of mecca you know if they're great because because they're speaking they're not speaking anything that has to do with the the modal things that we've studied right they're and yet they're coloring and they're coloring based on uh, an understanding of space and time Mm. and and their fills are a whole other layer of uh, of of their knowledge mm. and and then how they conduct their body while they're doing that some of them you know turn and look away from the kid the whole time <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or or you know or like it's, how do you explain yeah, how do you yeah. explain great bob you know like <laughs> jesus let's try you know and, yeah yeah, yeah. And it's it's just such an incredible <laughs> thing of beauty great great drummers uh-huh. um uh-huh. it's just it's just so moving so anyways he stood out for me as um as like uh, that kind of thing of me feeling that I'm like in 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 the same tribe that this guy is in, okay. you know. Okay. Um and uh Yeah, there were there there were interesting people there but but soon after that, but I didn't I didn't I left after doing just one year at York because okay. I already, you know, at the end of that year I owed 4 or 5 grand to a student loan mm-hmm. and I realized I got a high mark, but I also realized okay, I'm I'm really good in this specialized area of music that has no audience. <laughs> so, hmm. what's the point? Huh. Uh, and so I went to work. I just got a job working in uh, group homes because I had done a bit of that in Winnipeg, and uh, and I got a a job. And I could, and much uh, MTV music videos had started around then. It was like okay early eighties yeah ish. And uh, and I looked at that world and I just thought I don't fit what I see there at all. I don't really see like I felt that I had a background of rock music too that was like part of my heart to, to play in a band, but yeah. I couldn't figure out how I could, where, where, where the, where's the entry point for doing that for me? Okay. And so I just thought, well, I just, that's it. I become a, a guy who works in like social work or whatever. And, uh, and then wow. through a series, like uh, the guys in Blue Rodeo, they're all the same age as, my brother is 10 years older than me and they were all pals in New York. They were all waiters in restaurants there. And so they came back to Toronto and the house that I had was renting from the beginning at York, my brother rented before me, and I, so kind of the rule of older siblings. It's not really my place, even though he's not there. It's kind of still his. So he kind of just like announced to me that Greg Keeler was just going to stay there because once he got back in Toronto, because he doesn't have a place to crash, kind of thing. And so I saw him and Jim. I met them, you know, uh-huh. and and then they and they heard me play the piano, and they got really excited that I could play because uh, they were, you know, they were like at the level of a lot of. There's a lot of musicians and bands that don't have in. Uh, powerful relationships with their instrument that don't have a lot of uh, depth and variety and dimension in their relationship with their instrument who mm-hmm. are very successful mm-hmm. and so uh, so they they knew right away that they wanted me in this like before they told me you know I and and so you know, right? like one day they were like you know we we got a bass player and a drummer and like you to come play with us you know and I'm like and I just thought well that's that's great I've always wanted to play in a band you know and uh and it, and it, and that band was it was really surreal because it just outgrew its clothes every single show. It just it was you know it was like a, a plot point in a Hollywood film that it just like 
you know, where, where like some, you know, someone's been, it has inserted some, some drug into the food mm-hmm. and then, the, you know, then Superman, their clothes are breaking and breaking and breaking, you know, like the band just got bigger and bigger and bigger. It, it Every single gig, it just cartoony. gathered more and more people freaking out and loving yeah. it, yeah. embracing it. Wow. And, uh, and, and those guys having been in New York added a whole other cachet too, because our fourth gig was at CBGB's, okay. you know, cause wow. they could book it cause they had played there in their previous band. Um, that was called Fly to France. Okay. On my way to the first rehearsal, Greg already had the name Blue Rodeo. I remember saying to him, you know, if I join this thing, if if, if we do this, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, I kind of have one condition, you know, uh, which is uh, you got to get rid of that name. <laughs> Blue Rodeo. Yeah. I guess that stinks, you know, like I, like it's got to be something else. Really? And that was a really, really? interesting, yeah, I, I just didn't think it was smart. And that was an interesting experience interesting. too because I realized, it, and whether objectively it's a good name or not, I uh-huh. realized that popularity itself sells something like the fact that the band kept taking off made the name cool i think fascinating um, yeah fascinating um so that's one <clears throat> so they had been playing oh, so in, in new thing. york and, yeah, and developing had, an audience and then no i don't think they really developed an audience they were just a nut one of a zillion pop bands okay and it wasn't working out and they were broke and they came back here to start again figure out something new and um, yeah, and um, and, he, and Greg Keeler happens to be staying at your brother's apartment. That's fat. That's amazing, eh? Like the, the oh, whole yeah. like, I don't know the well, way well, that happened. The, well, like, well, here's the other thing that's like, they heard you playing piano. Like there's so much there. Oh man. yeah, because I could like, play, and this is it. Like they would give me most of the solos because they couldn't play well, right. and 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 it was like another improv assignment in Casey's class. Oh, okay, you here, just want me to solo. And you want me to just keep soloing, and the and the rules are just over two chords, and just keep doing it, and keep doing it, and keep doing it until you look at me to finish, and and it's not, and you're sometimes you're letting me go for four minutes. Okay, cool. And it was like so the, the songs in C. Okay, okay, I'll play in C sharp now. And then like just like and 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 it was really like uh, it bring brought brought a a, 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 um, a quality of of free improv to this rock band. I mean, it ended up being interpreted as psychedelia by people, and. Uh, you know, people, there would be interviews all the time. They would want to talk about uh, Garth Hudson mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Ray Manzarek from The Doors or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I know that music, but, you know, it all starts for me with actually learning the blues, which is what my brother fortunately taught mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had, there's, some, there's some beautiful strokes of luck that have happened in my life, you know. And that one of them was that my brother taught me how to play the piano by giving me Otis Spann, who is like, such a important kind of uh, music, you know, like later in my life, it became, you know, uh, I really absorbed a lot about, uh, in, in my own small way of Keith Jarrett. But yeah, yeah. at the beginning, Otis Spann was kind of like this really important, powerful musician to me. Wow. Um, anyways, um, that's that. I somehow I got into this Blue Royal thing, but... Uh, so if you guys want to, if you're watching in VR, we're going to turn you off now. Tune in at Industry Tactics for the rest of this fantastic story. We're going to talk about the Juno Awards. Goodbye. Say goodbye to, to our friends in VR land. Bob, maybe we'll tickle them? You know, you know, for a long time, I've been wanting to make my own awards, you know, <laughs> and, and say something like, you know, like certified wood. Certified <laughs> or, or, wood. Or, you know, like Triple certified wood. plastic or something else to kind of, and make God them a lot larger it, than these, because I have some of these other ones up, but I kind of like, I put them up partly. That's fun. Because sometimes I work with straighter people and it like impresses them. Yes. But I'm not impressed with it. No, I'm kind of, and I'm more proud of the things that I've done that don't have to. Triple like that wood. Juno's for Blue Rodeo, and that's cool. But, you know, I, I've done lots of things, right? Like I, 
Sure. Sorry. Um, We're going to talk about triple wood when we come yeah, back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> certified triple wood. Yeah, certified triple wood because it is the it is a new that's the new way we 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 celebrate success in Canada. No, but honestly, this is this is fascinating. Like the whole like I you, we've never like I've known when I got to know you, if we uh-huh. might back up a little bit cuz I think it it really there's certain things of just like I wouldn't all of my relationship with you wouldn't have happened if you didn't respond to Answer an email you. yeah like like i think there's a lot there and the, and the podcast is called industry tactics and uh-huh. i'm poking initially when i started i wanted to poke fun as you know i like to poke fun at the harris institute and all of those ideas of like how to make it in our silly industry which is disintegrating in front of us and i'm, I'm trying to celebrate that in a way uh-huh. too right because in in other ways it's 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 reimagining what it could be right and we're, yeah. we're avoiding a lot of the bullshit middlemen so there's a level of excitement but yeah you said yes, like you, 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 you did a gig just like you were very, like there's a spirit of rebellion. And then you, you did a show at the Heritage Theater as part of the Indie Arts Festival. And yeah. I remember you fooled my brother and I'll never forget it. You, he went, you, you got up with an accordion and started performing and said, Bob Wiseman got stuck at the airport. And you had this whole thing that you were clearly just fucking around. And I knew you were, you were Bob Wiseman, you know, but my brother didn't. And he actually said like, do you think Bob Wiseman's going to actually arrive? And I went, this is amazing. Like, he pulled the wool, right? And there's a sense of humor, but I don't know, man. Like I really admire. Like we, uh, it's a whole wormhole, you know. What for is? me, you, oh. you're you're a wormhole because you said yes, and I'm like forever grateful. Yeah. To there's that says a lot about the kind of artist that you are. So like, like I've never we've never actually spoken about like that was a beautiful story for me. That whole like, of course I knew you as Bob Wiseman. Of course when I was a sleazy promoter. I would put in brackets of sure. blue, blue rodeo, sure, right? Sure. Like, but the thing I admire most about you, in a way, is, I mean, listen, we cut to music in this podcast, but I don't think I can cut to a blue rodeo MP3. But because just for uh, purposes of uh, copyright industry tactics, I don't want to fuck with. But but yeah, if you guys do want to go to, if you guys do want to go and check out Bob's soloing on some of those early blue rodeo records do it it's a it's fun right like it's 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 a very young you uh well you know it's a great you know it's a great go ahead story related to that yeah is um the second record blue rodeo made was done with malcolm Byrne, and malcolm was a guy he had a band in the in the 70s 80s called um boys brigade okay it was like a glitter group and uh, they kind of had their moment in the sun. I think it was before I got to Toronto. What a by band the time, name! What a band by name! The, by the time I met Malcolm, that was that was behind him. And I think the music business, I think his career, I think was over. And he was he was a security guard. Boys and, Brigade didn't take off. <laughs> he was a security guard at the church over here, Trinity St. Paul's. Okay. And I used to practice the piano there. You could there were two grand pianos in there, and you could use them for like a dollar an hour or two dollars an hour. Yeah. And so. Um, uh, so Malcolm, and that's how I knew Malcolm. Anyways, uh, months or years later, he became involved with Joshua, Josh, Jocelyn Lanois. Uh, they were a couple, and and later they broke up. But he already, but by the time they broke up, he had become friendly with Dan, and mm-hmm. Dan ended up hiring him and using him and uh, training him. Mm-hmm. And Dan's career had start had already kind of really exploded. Like that was that's around the time that he was. Working with Robbie Robertson and Peter Gabriel. And okay. So okay. it was like it was like a real wise thing on Greg and Jim's part, I think, that they asked Malcolm to produce us because it was kind of like a poor man's way of getting Lanois in a way. Wow. Because it was someone who was training with Lanois basically, and 
So we worked. Uh, we so for the second record, the Blue Rodeo made Diamond Mine. Mm-hmm. We did two songs in I think November uh, with Malcolm, and then we broke in December for Christmas, and then we got back together in January. Okay. And the two songs we did were. Um, well, I forget what they both were. One of them was Diamond Mine. And in this song, Diamond Mine, I have like a five-minute keyboard solo on, okay. these, on this A-stone organ and, and this Casio that's a really neat little uh, two-octave Casio that I had, uh, uh, that my brother had modified in, in, this, in the 70s. And it's like, it's, 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 it's the star of that solo. Modified. But, yeah, I'll, I'll show you that. But, but okay. the thing is, the thing is, when, when we got back, from Christmas with Mal- after we took the break and Malcolm yeah. went back to New Orleans with Lanois yeah. and we heard while we were working with Malcolm we knew that apparently six months from now in June or whatever Lanois is going to be producing Bob Dylan so the first day back in January Malcolm takes me aside at one point and he's like uh, you know Dan's going to be doing Bob's next record and I'm like yeah I know Dan's going to be doing Bob's next record it's like funny to be calling them by their first names you know like yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't really want to call them by their first names right? I, just, I feel like an imposter but and it, but I'm like yeah and he says well Dan I played Dan the songs that I did with you guys and I'm like yeah, I'm starting to hear everything in slow motion now and he's like I'm oh, like yeah wow. and he's like so he doesn't know what Bob wants to do so he thought he would put a band together for him in advance and I'm like uh-huh and he said and so he he heard your solo in Diamond Mine I'm like uh-huh and he says and he's, he's wondering if you would want to be the keyboard player in the band <laughs> and I just I looked at back at Malcolm you know uh-huh. and I said what's uh, what's he paying and Malcolm was like Oh, don't worry, they'll pay you. And I'm like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you think I care about yeah. it? I'll pay Bob Dylan. What are you yeah, yeah. talking about? Do you know yeah. you know what you're doing to me by saying this? You're like, you're totally yeah. destroying my brain right now. You know, yeah. this is probably not going to happen. This is like really seriously going to fuck me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it didn't happen, but that's okay. It, it pretty... didn't happen. No, they, when they met Dylan, when they started working with him, they found him weird and they didn't, they ended up recording him by himself. And then, uh, Predictably, the Neville brothers, who Lanois had just been working with okay. on the record Yellow Moon, who are yeah. big Dylan, uh, uh, Dylan, d- d- what's the word I should use? A Dylanophiles, okay. especially Aaron Neville. They uh-huh. ended up being all over it, and it's an amazing record. It's a uh, um, time in her mind. No, it's the first one that he did. I'm kind of drawing Is it a blank. Mercy. Uh, yeah. Oh, mercy. Oh, mercy. Okay. Wow. But wow. Wow. but wow. they did send me to buy a piano for Dylan. Like we were later in New Orleans mixing Diamond Mine, and they sent me Unreal. to the, buy a grand piano for this upcoming sessions for Dylan, and that was pretty cool. Unbelievable, yeah. Bob! Unbelievable. So at the time that you're doing this, the, that, that that's a big record, in, right? Diamond Mine's a big record. Yeah, that was a real is big that, one. For, is that what the Juno is? That, that, that Juno for like clear. being band of the year. Blue Rodeo won wow. that kind of award. Wow. I think three yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. So Bob. Uh, you can read it online, so you can. We haven't broken to any of Bob's music yet, but we're going to. Um, you can read it online as to why you left Blue Rodeo, and I fully understand it. And I think anyone that wants to go read that, go read that. It's beautiful. It's on bobweisman.com. Is it yeah, your your website? Yeah, you wrote a beautiful. I don't even remember. Yeah, you it's did. not that big a deal. Yeah. No. no. Okay. Yeah, I mean, go for it. Sure. If you, if you need to, go for it. If not, I mean. So you left Blue Rodeo, yeah. like, and I fully understand, yeah. like, because I only know you as Bob Wiseman, an amazing artist who gets who responds to an email. There's too much flattery going on. Fuck it, for this okay. to be, uh, Bob Wiseman. You shouldn't talk that way. Oh, if you want right. people to like enjoy this, I think. all right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Bob Wiseman, 
Anyway, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Guy that answered my email. Guy right. my, exactly that answered my email. Yeah, and and the rest is kind of history. But but I really like the. Well, you know, I yeah. I, I wrote letters to people too. Yeah, and still yeah. do. Yes, you, know? you do. And yes, you do. And that's the beautiful thing, really, about being in the age of the internet for the last twenty years, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The internet really leveled the playing field like nothing before. I mean, the mail was already always there, but you had to have the address. Yeah, it's easier to figure. You can. There's, there's lots more guesses. And right, trolling yes. that can allow you to figure out someone's. You know, you can. They, I know that about you, Bob Weisman. Industry tactics. So let's just let's just hypothetically take an artist, okay? Um, who who's an artist that we want to hunt? Let's actually let the kids go through. Like like, who would you want oh. to hunt? Let's, oh, let's hunt like, Paul McCartney. There's lots of people I would love to try and reach. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I don't and I don't know how to. In fact, currently I was trying to figure out how to reach Shirley Eichardt because I wanted you? to interview her for this thing. Amazing. Do you know Do you know who she is? No, no, no. She's a songwriter, and okay. she. She wrote the song that was a big hit for Bonnie Raitt. Let's give them something to talk okay. about. Okay, wow. And she's a Toronto-based wow. person, I think. Oh, man. And I'd like to talk to her, interview her for that book I was working on. Right, right. But I can't find her anywhere. I try. I wanted to try and find Gordon Lightfoot. Okay. And I, I know I asked I asked uh, one person who's... I asked Mike, the drummer in the yes. Sadie's, because they did something with him, and, and he was... He was going to get me an email of someone else who might be it. able to help me. I love it. It hasn't happened yet, but we'll okay. see. I, no, but I, there's something about but, that, right? Uh, Joni Hunting. Mitchell, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I wanted to reach Joni Mitchell, and um, I know her her biological daughter mm -hmm. here in Toronto. Oh. Um, I never asked her for something like that, but I did about a month ago, yeah. and she still hasn't answered. And I kind of feel like, oh, okay, maybe I've burned that ridge by asking. It doesn't but hurt. I, I don't know. Man. I mean, like, yeah, I'd you rather go for ask it. than not ask. Yeah, yeah, you go for it. And I went for it with you and you. But you know what? It's special, man. I, there is something about that, like... How many times do you not get a response? It's 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 the usual. The norm right. is that someone's too cool. You know, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but there's just oh, this guy's. Well, like, I might I might have reached out to you I, when I was like, fucking twenty, or you know what I mean? I, yes. I I think I was around that age, and it blows my mind that you you no maybe it was a little later than twenty. It was probably twenty five, and you you just responded, and you know like I there's Joe yeah. does that. Joe went on the hunt actually. Joe yeah. found me, but it was yeah. like. But, you know, and I think he gave me... No, that that is it. Joe does connect us. I'm going to give him yeah, full credit. I think you're right. He gave me your email. He's like, contact this guy. He's a genius. That's what he... Without blowing smoke. He says he's a genius. You are you are a true artist. I, I'm not going to blow more smoke than that. Okay, Bob? But you're constantly... Uh, it, we did a little talk earlier. You're constantly hunting and curious and in love with the art of... of of of, the work. of of refining your work, you know, and yeah. and and, you, and your voice is 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 very unique. And I don't a lot think by virtue of that one's a genius. I mean, I just no. think that's part of your job, or I don't even know if that's part of your job, but that's part of my my relationship with it, yeah. and and yours. And there are certain kinds of people that their relationship with the thing they do yeah. is to just be doing it constantly. Yeah, to, you know, obsessed. I think it's just that. Way. Yeah. That doesn't. They can be. They could be really horrible, <laughs> but they're doing it all the time. You know, right, like right, right. There's this so, guy. There's this guy who's kind of. I'm gonna uh, back yeah, just a bit. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, no. Oh, you want me to yeah, remove just, the just mind? a bit? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Sorry. You're, you're good. You're There's good. a guy named Bob Lefsetz. Yeah, of course. You read it at yeah. all? Yeah, yeah. He's a shit disturber. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he he you know he tries to compartmentalize the dynamics of people. Mm. He he tries to kind of surmise what's going on for different people and how they mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. He he writes about people who are doing it all the time or like how certain people who get ahead are doing because they're all the time doing it. Like yeah, yeah. He, There's a formula he, to he, it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I recognize myself sometimes in some of the things he says. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I like reading him. I he he says he has a lot. There are things. It's I can't really 
reconcile his taste because he'll talk about Joni Mitchell being the most important artist in the world, mm, mm-hmm. and I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. And then he'll mm-hmm. and then he'll celebrate a, a rock band from the '70s that's really kind of limp to me or something. And, I, and so it kind of like is weird to me. But mm-hmm. but that's just but that's that's not a new story in the world of like people's taste and whatnot. Like even like I never like I like like Rush never meant anything to me, and Rush meant a lot in some way to you and to yeah. many other people that I've known yeah. those and those kinds of groups like them were a big deal and but like I saw them you know I saw them in the 70s with people my age who were their young audience at that time yeah and uh, you know I had older brothers I was already listening to Stevie Wonder and uh, and the Beatles and Dylan and even Bob Marley mm-hmm. in his in real time in like mm-hmm. 74 75 76 and like that certain things that were of my time uh, in real time like them we're just like, for me, it was like, nothing's going on. I was much more interested in the Mahavishnu Orchestra than Rush. Like, it seemed like the premise was that Rush was that kind of thing, too. And it's like, no, sorry, I'm not, I don't, I don't, that's not what's going on. Or Return to Forever, mm-hmm. uh, that's not what this is for me. But the, in a way, we, we were talking earlier about Zappa. Is there something about yeah. Rush that uh, are in common with Zappa for why it doesn't click with you? Or... Is that a weird? I mean, is there a comparison there? You know, I think so. Except that, but but Zappa is like kind of like firmly connected to people in the world of comedy too, Mm. and Rush isn't. Well, Rush has that sense of humor. Really, I know nothing about it. Yeah, really. Yeah, because I because all I know is like the music that was uh, that just like did nothing for me, and then on top of that, I would read that they were into Anne Rand, which just kind of further makes me think. Yeah, okay. No sense of humor. See you later. Right, like, right. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I mean, understand you that. you want to like, celebrate the self and, and selfishness to me, that's what Anne Rand's about. Go have a wank. Great. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm looking for music. You right, know, like, that's right. That's just not... I, I don't... I, I, the, the artists that turn me on... Well, I guess, you know, I guess I, it's not... I'm making it sound... Like, I know enough about the world to know that... The art and the artist aren't aren't the same thing. Mm. It's just that I'm way more excited when they are. I just love it when the artist walks the walk. Uh-huh. But but I, at the same time, uh-huh. you know, like 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 a, like I don't know much about Wagner, but I, but I've read many times that he hated Jews or something. Yeah. Yet if he's got music that blows my mind and I'm a Jew, I kind of don't care. The music music really does blow my mind. Uh-huh. It really does. <laughs> uh-huh. So like it's just but it's part of it's part in the back of my head that like oh the guy also was a weird fuck. But but it's a lot more exciting to me, you know, that uh, that um, you know Patti Smith uh-huh. walks the walk, you uh-huh. know, that uh-huh. like that Neil Young walks the walk, that Sun Ra walked the walk. Yeah, means is a bigger deal to me that like on the music level they yeah. kill me, and yeah. on the human level of what they do and how they interact with people they kill me. It's like oh nothing's more beautiful. Yeah 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 I get it. I, I want to play some of your music. I, we've done a lot of talking here. The okay. people have already um, pressed pause and geeked out and listened to the solo in Diamond Mine. Oh, yeah. You really think yeah. anybody did that? Oh, they're doing that. They did that already. <laughs> okay. So they've already seen you on the YouTube. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, copyright. Uh, okay. Is all taken care of here. Everything is a la carte. But uh-huh. let's play something of yours. Let's play um, something. What was the first record you would have made? After you left Blue Rodeo, like, well, well, I, I'm I'm not familiar with yeah. the entire chronology of it. Yeah, well, I, there's I think I know thirteen records and thirteen uh, records. Yeah, the first one got the most um, promotion, and it yeah. and it remains the most well known one. I think mostly because of that, 
or mostly because it was the first time people heard of me. Oh, and or and also partly because I. Uh, um, there was a premise to the first record that all the songs were written by this other guy. Fuck. Like before my record came out, like Warner Brothers agreed to put it out at that point, right? This is before the internet. And Here we go. This is very. This sounds very Frank Zappa. There's a badass component to this. Well, it's, there, okay. it's the late '80s. Yeah. And, and Warner Brothers agrees to put it up because they signed all five members of Blue Rodeo. They didn't just sign Greg and Jim. So we were all signed as individuals. So okay. they, they wow. had a clause in the contract that's called right of first refusal. Right of first refusal. It's a very common clause sure. in in, uh, in contract. Right. In, in the contractual world in the entertainment industry. It means the person who's in the position of... The person who oh. you're making the deal with right. has the first right to... To, to work with whatever other thing you bring to the you, you bring to the table industry tactics yeah go ahead so so I wanted to put a record out I remember I, I remember actually we had a manager his name was John Caton okay and and this is fun and I and so I like I so I started working on my own record and and I just told John I told him as an aside oh by the way I, I made a record I'm gonna put out my own record not like I, I knew what I'm doing and how I sing and my aesthetic is not of the world that I'm in here with Blue Rodeo and Warner Brothers. Yeah. So I'm just almost like, uh, just for, um, I'm not sure, I think really just to kind of, just because I see him all the time, he's the manager, just mm -hmm. shooting the shit. I think I just told him, I'm making a record too. I mean, I'm going to, I kind of like it, probably would have just been a bunch of cassettes on consignment in some music stores. Right. As I, which is how I met Mendelssohn Joe, because um, he had a cassette on consignment at Ring Music and, and I bought it and I, uh, you know, I got into what he was doing, and I started to like try and figure, find out about the guy. Um, so, and John was like, "Oh, well, well, Bobby, there's a right of and that's when I first even found out about it because I didn't understand the things yeah. that we had signed really. Yeah. And I'm right. like, "Oh," and I, then I thought, "Okay, well, still they'll just listen to it and they'll tell me thanks, but no thanks, right?" And but then they wanted to put it out, and that was wow, like, "Wow, that wow. was amazing." But I also, but I also knew they're not putting it out because they like it. They're putting it out because they think. But they're putting it out either because they're probably putting it out because they want to make sure I don't leave the band. They're mm -hmm. probably putting it out to to keep me happy because mm -hmm. the band is a very successful band. That's okay. probably what it is, you know. Okay. Um, or there's an off chance that they think that it'll do well, and that's. But anyways, so yeah, who knows, right? So I so my relationship. So anyways, interesting. Before it, so I was working on it. It was almost done, and then yeah. and then what happened was um, the solo. The, everybody in Talking Heads put out their own records. Um, the uh, Tina Weymouth, okay. she and her husband, the drummer, they put out a, an amazing record, the Tom Tom Club. That, that's, that was that record. And, oh. and that keyboard player, Jerry Harrison, put out a solo record. And I saw his solo album, Come and Go, and nobody cared. And I remember thinking, right. Is it good? Uh, I, I don't remember getting into it. I, I did listen to it. Okay. But I, I don't know if I did it uh, justice. But the thing is, I, I realized that uh, you know, Blue Rodeo is not as big as Talking Heads, but I kind of thought, oh, the same thing will happen to me because who cares? You're the keyboard player in this band that's already doing well. Yeah, who cares about my record? I'm the guy in this band that's on much music. So, like, my songs won't get heard. And that's uh -huh. when I kind of thought, oh, okay, the songs are they're by someone else. They're not even by me. Like, I, and I, so I called John, and I'm like, oh, by the way, I didn't tell you this thing, but the songs are by this guy that I've never met, actually. We just, like, correspond, and uh, he lives in the Southern States, and he's an anarchist. And John was like... What? And like, those guys, like John, like, Shit. I always, those guys awesome. never really kind of were my people. And he, so he's kind of like, Bobby, what, what, what are you, are you, say, what are you, what are you saying? Uh, are you saying you didn't write the songs? I'm like, yeah. yeah, is that okay? And he's like, Bobby, do you realize, do you realize what a good story this is? I'm like, you think so? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to call you back. And then, and then he called me back later, like, 
and they were all excited that like Jesus. to know about Wrench Tuttle. That was the guy, and um, so that kind of and, and I thought this is good because that will become the story instead. Then it won't be just like you're the keyboard player. Yeah. Then it became more like did he write it or did he not? And and the point was just to get just I wanted to just like however I could get people to come to the song was fair because yeah. I just yeah. wanted to be judged for the merits of the song. So I think that more or less worked doing that. Let's set it up. What song do you want to play off of that record? Um, <laughs> um, well, I, you know, there's, there's, there's two songs that go together. Uh-huh. But maybe it's too much for your podcast. So, so, but, but there's a couple songs that I wrote about uh, the, um, the, 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 the French Secret Service bombing the Greenpeace ship, the Rainbow Warrior, in Auckland, New Zealand. And uh, they, they kind of go together, these two songs. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of, uh, there's, there's like a humorous payoff if you listen to the, the second one. Let's but, play them both. Okay, Let's play them so both. they're called, uh, one's called, uh, uh, what's the name of them? Just Tourists. Is that the first one or the second one? No, the second one is Just Tourists. And the first one is Somebody Planted. Yeah, Somebody Planted and Just Tourists. Here it comes now.
Okay, that song was not uh, called Somebody Planted. It was actually called No Commotion. And now here comes the follow-up tune from Bob's first record, In Her Dream. This song is called Just Tourists. Enjoy it. Officers of the French Foreign Spy Agency, Sophie allegedly 
just a good story. You're saying this is a fact, not just a good story. No, it's a fact. Well, they charged a woman. They charged a man with his murder and arson and conspiracy. Charges three, but that French couple demanded to be set free. 'Cause I'm a manager. I'm a professor. That's what they told the cops. We're just tourists. We're just tourists. And we don't know nothing about bombs that drop. Suffering from amnesia, it took a reporter to save their memories. He showed the world they were nothing more than Secret Service employees. I'm a manager. I'm a professor. And that's what they told. What's going on with your music right now on the internet? Can the can the listeners? It's all on Bandcamp. You can go to Bandcamp and check the whole it. Okay. Record. They're all on YouTube. You have okay. a record. You can okay. just like stream it. I urge and you to do that. And they're for sale on on Bandcamp and okay. Ed Zunior. Okay. Um, but because uh, I I want to touch on the Geffen tune. Like I sure. for me that one really stands out as a. I don't know. <clears throat> go please go check out Bob's entire body of work. It's hard to graze over it. You know I know that we don't have a lot of time so. Yeah, but that tune I want to play that tune. Um, 
You worked with Steve Cato on that record. It's a very different record, right? It actually, I did that song. Uh, you know, it comes back to talking about that first record because. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Good. This Warner is Brothers nice. put it out, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and they and the Wrench title thing that was fine, but but then they um, they uh, basically they pressed. They did a first run mm-hmm. of a certain amount of copies. I think. 1,000 or 2,000 copies. Sure, sure. And then they listened to it. They basically didn't listen to the songs. Right. And so then they all, and then everybody was like, did he say? And everybody started to freak out because one of the awesome. songs uh, in, in, implicate, indicated that Pepsi Cola played a role in, uh, mm-hmm. in, it played an unsavory role in Chile in the 1970s. And so then suddenly, Everyone was calling me, and everyone was freaking out. Like about, and the manager wow. of them from the rodeo, John Caden, is like, "Wow, you did! What's going on?" And I'm like, and I kind of thought I'd already solved this problem even before it ever happened. I'm like, "Oh, well, I don't know. I'll I'll write to Wrench and ask him like what what happened." Like, yeah, you better you better write him right now. We got to find out. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, this is and amazing." So, you know, a week later, I was like, he wrote me back. You know, and he said and he he said like you know the lyrics are based on things that are like in in public libraries. Like check this book out and that book, which were like were things that I read that are part of why I wrote the song. Yeah. So I kind of thought problem solved. Like yeah, if you yeah, gotta yeah. sue someone, sue the guys who wrote these books. It's public domain. It's not you know, but that's not the way it works. You know, it's about. It's about how much it would cost. But being safe too. I mean, there's, there's a, ultimately there's a there, there's a fear there, right? Of what what you're saying as an artist, but that's fuck too in a way. Well, right? there's like a fear of corporation against right, corporation. Right. So they yeah. destroyed all those copies, and they re- released the record without that song. That's what the what what happened in that first record. Do you have that song? Oh yeah, I've played the song. It's Shit. called Rock and Tree. The play that I did five years ago that I toured yeah. called Actionable. Yeah. Is kind of all about this story. And wow, so I wow. end up. What ends What ends up happening is I end up skyping with a with a lawyer who mm-hmm. doesn't want me to do the song. It's really Selena Martin who used mm-hmm. to play in my band, mm-hmm. and then and then she wants me to call her back, and I call her back in the play. It's the same as your brother th- thinking that I. The and, same and as we Wrench Tuttle. Yeah, she ends up yeah. doing the background vocals to the song. I end up playing it to her, like to for her to check what's wrong with it, and to, and it kind of everyone's confused that she knows it, and like it, it was really quite fun uh, doing it, but. Uh, I lost my train of back again. to back to go back to the Warner Brothers then. So the 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 Geffen. What, what I want to play that tune. What do you? Oh think yeah, it, it, started, it was done Warner? on. Uh, it was done it, before, ten years before Steve Cato. It was done on a record called Accidentally Acquired Beliefs, um, but uh, the same thing happened. Um, uh, the <sighs> You're guy, very dangerous. I love this. Well, I don't know if I'm very, but that well, was the I mean, actionable. I, that's the byline was like okay. a. A, a, you know, a, a play about um, lawsuits and songwriting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's yeah, the book a lot you're writing, Bob. Yeah. Well, I mean, Prince too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. In fact, uh, I have a friend, you know, who's like yeah. kind of a, a big shot in the film world, and I uh, he 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 brought me to Regina to do it, and he loved it after, and he was like, "You should maybe we should make a movie of it," mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah," but um, uh, you know. He does a lot of projects, and I think he moved on to other things. But okay, but the, wrote a wrote a treatment for it, and, and oh, yeah? it would have been, uh, uh, yeah, the treatment was really fun. I, for uh, actionable, yeah, yeah, wrote it with a with a with a comedian, uh, a really funny guy, Garrett, uh, Jameson, and uh, but anyways, maybe that'll get you know, that's that's the thing, huh? Like what the time, yeah. what the timeline is on the things you do, you don't know. Like when you're right. an artist, you need to just make like we're both friends with Mendelssohn Joe he's got right. a zillion paintings right what if his career takes off what if suddenly you know yeah um, yeah yep. yep. uh, Britney Spears wants to like 
put one of his <laughs> paintings on the cover of, uh, or use it in a video, like, and yep. suddenly everyone starts talking about him. Suddenly, things that he did, you know, thirty years ago are are worth thirty grand or something. Right. Like, you right. just you can't control those things. All you can control is that you're working and that you keep making stuff and that you try to do it well. And maybe you die in the gutter and nobody it cares about it too. You know, like, like it's amazing that Van Gogh dies without ever selling a painting. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. It's amazing that Bach dies with no without being celebrated really for like the staggering power and talent Mm -hmm. of every uh, moment of his work Mm -hmm. and that's part of uh, that's part of it you know it's part of it man uh, on behalf of uh, all all four listeners uh, we want to thank you for making the time here Bob hi I know I'm super late I'm just ending this podcast with Rich so sorry Magali so sorry hello hi hi you're in the podcast now too. We're just saying goodbye. I checked ten minutes ago and said I'm we in love so you. much trouble. It is ten minutes. Sorry. I'm so sorry, Magali. Hi, Esme. Esme. <laughs> so I'm gonna leave this right now and, and head home. Okay. Okay. Bye. And on that note, friends, we were, we were very lucky. Uh, thank you. Is that a Bob Wiseman song? It's a new song I'm writing. Yeah. It's a, it's a. This is a, a song fucking treat. I, it's you know I, I I'd love to tell you the title of it, but I won't because no, no. I don't know how long it'll take to write, and it'll be okay. a drag if it takes two years to write. And I okay. revealed it now. It's part of the, it's part of the way one works, you know, like to kind of. But I'll tell you when this is done because it's a funny thing you'll find. Okay, uh, I want to really sincerely thank you, man. It's, hey, I'm sorry. It's just, I kind it's of just I mean, we could get another hour. It, no, we totally, totally. totally. No, yeah. don't, don't, don't be. Uh, it's a real privilege. Thank you. Uh, without, without blowing smoke, this uh, it's been a real treat. Uh, this here it comes now. The name of the tune is uh, the Geffen tune is uh, is uh, my cousin Dave. But you know, if you play that, uh, yeah, yeah, if you play that in yeah. those two Greenpeace things, yeah, that's fine. But they are, it's kind of like. Uh, not the Bob Wiseman, that Bob well, Wiseman. Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of like interviewing Mendelssohn Joe and playing something from Mainline only. Yeah. You know, right. it's like, it's, it's you know, but I don't know how much room there is for you on this, but but okay. if, you, if you would okay. just play anything yeah. from my last record, Julieta Messina at the Oscars crying. I don't care what song, oh, but 100%. I, I'm really, I'm, I, I'm just very proud of that record, everything that I did on it. So if you get a chance... To grab any cut on that. Yeah, we're gonna really end cool. it. We're gonna end it with uh, with a with a special uh, tune off of that record. Then okay, okay, thanks. Go. My cousin Morley, he and my dad, they were related on Morley's mother's side. On Morley's father's side, he's related. He's a cousin of David Geffen's. I figure that makes me David Geffen's cousin too. I tried to call him, but they said, fuck you. I tried to call him, but they said, fuck you. Well, I would not take no for an answer. Don't they know he's my cousin? So I wrote him a letter. Dear Dave, my name's Bob. I'm your cousin. Do you like corn on the cob? Because if you do, you could lend your Concord in my driveway and have dinner with me. 
I'd like to tell you a thing or three. I'd like to tell you a thing or two. Like one time, Dave, I read an interview with a guy who used to work for you named Gary Gersh. He said he was looking for male singer-songwriters. The kind writing about serious shit. Well, I figured that was me, Dave, and so I sent him my tape, but he hated it. You know, I think he played it in his kitchen to get rid of cockroaches. Dave, do you think you could hire him back from Capitol Records just to fire him for me? After all, I'm your family. Like Sister Sledge, we are family. And as a member of your family, Dave, I just gotta tell you something. I feel a little embarrassment. That according to Billboard magazine, November 22nd, 1992, your company has twice been sued by over alleged sexual harassment. The article went on to say the woman settled out of court for nearly half a million dollars. Dave, that's a terrible thing. And besides that, I've even heard Neil Young sometimes sing that his years at Geffen left him trembling. And by the way, Dave, if I just might add one other little teensy-wincy-tiny microscopic thing, seeing as I'm your cousin, <coughs> you should drop Guns and Roses. I mean, they call black people niggers. They call gay people faggots. And they record songs by Charles Manson. Good one there, Dave. And by the way, I could use a record deal in the States. Signed your cousin Bob. What a great treat that was. Thank you, Bob Wiseman. That was my cousin Dave. And join us next time. It's every other Monday, this thing that happens, this Industry Tactics, at Industry Tactics. Why don't you let us know what you're thinking? Tweet us. Tweet us what you thought of that Bob Wiseman special. And we're going to end it now with a tune from Bob Wiseman's latest record. It's called Julieta Messina at the Oscars crying. Goodbye, friends. Julieta
photographs said.